Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Johanna. Thank you so much. Uh, I think I'll put it here. Can you hear me okay? Okay, hi. I'm Johanna, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi, Johanna. Um, Thank you so much for asking me to speak. Um, Congratulations to Han. Thank congratulations to the birthday uh, candle taker. I won't say your name because it's you know broadcast. But uh, and welcome, newcomers. Welcome. You're in the right place. Um, I used to come to this room because I knew no one was going to make me talk. I knew I could sneak in right after the serenity prayer or like you know kind of right before we said it, and then I could sneak out. Um, you know maybe talk to somebody for three minutes, but then I could get out. Um, because I was just too, I was terrified. I was terrified. I came in because I couldn't stop binging and purging. Uh, I wasn't so upset about the diet pills, the laxatives, the overexercising. That was fine. It was just the binging and purging that was bugging me. Everything else in my life was fine. Um, And I came in a couple of times. Um, My first time in was longer ago, it was in 2002. And um, I, I'd moved to L.A. quite, like, pretty recently. I think I'd started throwing up a few years before, but it was always the last time. It was always like, oh, I, I did that weird thing that's totally an eating disorder, but I don't have an eating disorder. That was just a one-time deal. And then two weeks later, that happened again. And then two months later, and then maybe there was a bad weekend or a bad week, but I'd found the next right diet. I'd found the next right relationship. I found the perfect job that was going to fix everything, and so it was never going to happen again. And I was on that roller coaster of this is the last time. Uh, It's described beautifully in the big book. If you just cross out alcohol and write in food, word for word, it's like that's how it was. It was just I was always going on some kind of a bender, and and then I'd starve for a week or something. So I guess I'm also a restrictor. Um, But that would, you know, reset everything, and I was going to be fine. Um, but it was a very narrow tight walk, uh, tightrope walk. And uh, finally, a friend of mine back in my hometown said, if you don't go to OA, please don't call me again. I love you, and you need help. And I can't help you from over here, and I don't know if anybody can help you but yourself. So I came to OA um, because I wanted to keep crying on the phone to her. So I did come, <laughs> and, um, and I made some friends, and I would go out to breakfast. Breakfast was so baffling. Like, how do I eat in the morning, right? Like, I'm not starving, but if I don't eat right away, then I get really, really hungry in the middle of the day, and then I'd sort of starve my way through as much as I could and then binge my way through the rest of the second half of the day. And that was a very regular pattern, but I couldn't quite see it. It was just like, whoa, it's crazy, because everything was unmanageable. And I was scared, and I had a lot of feelings I didn't understand. Um... So I came in, I did one, I did steps one, two, and three, and I had, I made, had a good friend who was my sponsor. Uh, she became my good friend. She's still my very good friend today, but, um, but I wasn't willing to stay. I was, 
I still thought I could get it on my own. I heard the stuff about a higher power and spiritual recovery, and I thought, all right, spirituality. I'll just take this to some spiritual program, and I've got just the spiritual program. And it became like a diet, just the way the right diet might fix me. I was like, the right spiritual program is going to totally fix this. And um, I couldn't do it without the steps. So I had to spend another eight years in and out of, well, mostly in bulimia, and um, going to lots of therapists and spending untold amounts of money on food and diet programs and therapy Um, until finally I think I totaled my car I was in a relationship with a guy who was certain that I was having an affair because I was always sneaking off or fighting with him randomly yeah and um, we were on the verge of destruction because I just I couldn't tell him what I was doing with my time I was having an affair. It was just with food. Um, <clears throat> not quite as exciting as, you know, he was thinking. And um, and then what else? I, I was having trouble at work. I just, everything set me off in my job. And I was totally self-obsessed when I came to find out. I was totally self-obsessed because I would just think about how I looked and how I was coming across to others. And um, what I ended up doing was coming to, to OA and uh, sitting in the back of different rooms. And I'd see a couple of familiar faces from eight years earlier. Thank you, everyone who comes back for many years. Um, it, it does make a difference. And, um, and I just listened for a while, and then I got brave enough to share. And uh, I couldn't find the perfect sponsor, right? Like, you're supposed to get a sponsor, but who is that perfect sponsor. I can't figure out any relationships. Who's going to sponsor me? You know, this is a permanent institution I'm committing to forever here. So uh, that took, in, what, I, what I heard and the advice I took to heart was just get a temporary sponsor. Just ask anyone to be your temporary sponsor until you find the right sponsor. And that's what worked for me. I was able to find the right sponsor for me twice. The first time I came in and the second time I came in. Um, just by being willing to have an imperfect relationship and say, hey, I don't know what I need, but you kind of seem almost right-ish and I am afraid to commit in advance. Um, And, you know, I I hear a lot of newcomers struggling with that, so that's why I say that. Um, Just get a temporary sponsor. It doesn't matter. All you need to hear is the message, and the message is the same. You know, all you need to find is someone who can tell you the message and you can actually hear it and you can actually do what that person did. Um, it takes a lot of willingness to do what some stranger tells you to do. Um, and for me, that only came with a low bottom. Um, I, I was suicidal. That was, I guess, the third thing. Um, I really felt like if I can't feed myself, if I can't figure out how to just eat breakfast or, you know, three meals a day or five meals a day or, I don't know, raw vegan. Like, I mean, it was all, I had so many different things spinning in my head about what I should be eating and how I should combine them and what times. And, like, there were so many rules in my life before coming to program. I didn't know how to live. And, and it was so small. The bandwidth of, like, 85 to 95% of my thinking was stuck in this little tiny box. So I, uh, I just showed up and I asked the first person I talked to who kind of had almost my story to be my sponsor. And it turned out she had a lot of my story. Um, like me, she also had cancer. 
Uh, like me, she also was raised by hippies. Like me, she also had been a raging bulimic. And um, there were just a lot of synchronicities where I was, she was just placed into my life at the right time. And I'm so grateful. And, um, and I did what she said. A lot of what she said was, stop it. Just stop it. Stop waiting to feel good and go do something. Uh, stop waiting for the inspiration to go to a meeting. You just go to a meeting. <laughs> stop waiting for the inspiration to make an outreach call. Nobody wants to do an outreach call. Just go make it. Just pick up the phone and call. And you don't have to spend an hour. That was my other thing. I was like, I can't spend an hour on the phone with crazy newcomers. I'm a crazy newcomer. I'm very busy. And she's like... So spend five minutes. Like, just say, hey, I've got five minutes. I just wanted to check on you, and how are you doing? Um, and it changed my life. Spending 15 minutes on the phone on my drive to work made such a difference because all of a sudden I had three dozen people I could call in the middle of the night who knew my story and who knew me. And so if I just made that habit every day, pick up the phone, dial whoever I might feel like calling or who I didn't feel like calling, especially newcomers. I just like some stranger. Okay, call the stranger. Hello, stranger. How are you doing? Um, here's how I'm doing. I've got five minutes. Let's talk. And all of a sudden, I started to have a little bit of a pause between the thought of a trigger food and the action. Um, or just, you know, like walking through the grocery store was such a minefield. And suddenly I had three dozen people I could call before going into the grocery store because I just made, I just taken the time to, to make three outreach calls a day, to go to five committed meetings. I first I did a 30 and 30 so that I knew what meetings I liked. And then I very begrudgingly made commitments at five meetings. I did not want to take commitments, but taking a commitment got me to the meeting on a consistent schedule. Um, and when things changed, I could just get someone to fill in for me. It was not a big deal. I thought, if I can't commit to this meeting every single week for six months, I'm going to fail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail program, and I'm going to get kicked out. Um, I didn't really think that, but that was just the, the feeling I had. If I can't do it perfectly, then it's all going to go down the drain, and it's going to be a complete waste of time. Um, but instead, I was willing to do it imperfectly. And life happened, and I had to get commitments. And then I just have to call a friend and say, hey, could you show up on Monday night and tell somebody about Lifeline? Um, the answer was almost always yes. It was so easy to just put my hand in someone else's or ask for help from someone else. Um, and suddenly I wasn't quite so cripplingly alone. Um, and then the real recovery started in, in the step work. Steps one, two, and three were um, a big relief, even though I didn't I kind of had to act as if, because there were ways I was still resistant to the higher power thing. I had my idea of a higher power, and I thought, like, they've got a different idea about a higher power. I don't know if I can buy into their higher power. Um, but what I came to realize is it doesn't matter what your higher power is. All that matters is just the willingness to show up and say, I don't know, just for today. I just don't know for today what the next right action is. Can some person in this program tell me? Can some spark of intuition tell me? Can I write down what, can I write and turn over to my sponsor what's going on and see if something comes out of that exchange? And 
and that got me to the willingness to do step four, uh, the fear, fearless and moral, fearless uh, moral inventory um, that was really terrifying to me and I think why I dropped out back then because I didn't want to look at a lot of stuff. And, um, and then I told my sponsor everything that had ever happened, which was such a relief. It was like all the stuff I'd been shoving down, the sexual abuse, the rape, the, the terrible interactions I'd had, the, the stealing food, the eating out of the garbage, the eating burnt food, the lying to people, to, the sneaking around, all the terrible things that had happened to me and that I had done to other people. I could just tell someone and hear either, I'm so sorry that happened to you, or oh, that happened to me too. And what a weight was lifted. I didn't have to be alone anymore, and I could walk into Albertsons with my head held high. <laughs> I mean, I guess that was more after step nine, and I gave back some money. <laughs> but, you know, it was um, just working the steps really changed my life. Showing up in these rooms and um, talking to fellows and being willing to be humble enough to accept that I don't always know what's best for me made a big difference, but work, I could never have continued that for any duration without working the steps. And as I've done that, the road has gotten, my, my eating has gotten more stable, right? My, my baseline food program is three meals a day, two optional snacks. No binging is my, bo- I mean, no purging is my bottom line. And in the first year of abstinence, I... Um, I was uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. I'd call my sponsor all the time and say, I ate a whole box of this food. Am I, did I break it? No, no, you didn't. You, you kept it, right? Yep, I did. And just by being honest, it started to clean up. My food started to clean up little by little because I knew I had to keep it. And, um, and because I was still working my program, it was given to me by an unknown power. I don't know how it works, but it works. And um, my weight went up a little bit. That was a big terrifying thing for me as a bulimic uh, and restrictor. Is like I did not want to give away all of my clothes and I didn't want to, you know, it wasn't really about the clothes. It was, it was the vanity, right? Like I didn't want to, I don't know, like lose control of my body. What's going to happen if I'm not controlling the size of my body? And what happened was very little. Um, today I walk around in clothes that are smaller than I came in with. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case for the first year. For the first year, my clothes got a little tighter. I think I might have had a few like size up clothing items. Um, but then it regulated. Uh, but I will say, before a year was up even, uh, that was my story. It's not everyone's story. But... Um, but I knew when I, or what I discovered was that when I was thinking about trying to control my body, my food got bigger. When I was thinking about how I was going to restrict this thing or cut out that kind of food or this food group, my food would just mysteriously get bigger. Because there was always that tomorrow thinking. There was always like, tomorrow I'm going to stop eating X, Y, and Z. So today, watch out. Um, or today, mysteriously, my hand is in the big bag of the bowl of the box of whatever. And all of a sudden, that box bowl or bag is empty. Um, 
And at the end of the year, I took a candle, and a few months later, I just was feeling lonely. And uh, it was my birthday. It was my natal birthday, which is coming up soon. And uh, and I felt like my, my abstinence wasn't good enough. Just no throwing up was not good enough. And I had done some messy eating, and therefore, screw it. And I binged, and I purged, and uh, and I went out for like two days and or maybe it was just a night anyway I woke up that the next day or the day after that and I called my sponsor and I said well I, I, I purged and she said great do another 30 and 30 five meetings a week mm-hmm. three calls a day it's a great day to be abstinent this is a great abstinence date here you go <laughs> 8 9 2010 and um and that was almost eight years ago. Um, I say that because a few months before that, I thought, man, I've got almost a year, and I don't think about purging. This is, what was I ever thinking? That was so crazy. Who would ever do that insanity? And, um, and then a few months later, it, it was just happening before I had the thought. I was just there was too much food in my body and I was giving it away and I was sad and I was having a feeling that I didn't want to feel anymore. So I was going to numb out with this behavior that had worked for a long time. I didn't want to feel my feelings and that's what keeps the feelings away. It doesn't solve any problems. It just adds another problem. It's so clear. When I eat over my problems, I've just got two problems. Or, you know, more, because I'm usually eating over more than one to start with. Um, And... The other reason I say that is the the thought I had been having while I was like, oh, I'm never going to throw up again. That's over, thank goodness, uh, was that my abstinence wasn't good enough. My food wasn't clean enough. It was so hard to get abstinent again. You know, and I think I needed to hear that, that just because my food wasn't perfect didn't mean I should throw away my abstinence. Um it's hard to get your abstinence back. Or it was for me. Maybe not for everybody. It was hard for me to get my abstinence back. And yet, I did what worked for me the first time, and it worked for me the second time. It just sort of wasn't fun the second time. Because um, then I couldn't say, like, I've got a year. Like, no, I'm taking my 30-day chip over again and my 60-day chip over again. And, um, and then, what? And then I was also getting married that year to that guy that I was fighting with all the time. We got married. We still fight sometimes, and it's, you know, it's life, and it's mm-hmm. our relationship. And um, and we now have a five-year-old child together, and my life is much bigger. My food is, um, it's sometimes, it gets big when when I'm thinking about my body, when I'm having a lot of feelings that I'm not talking about with other people, um, or when I'm working from home and not making outreach calls in the first part of my day. Or like, I, I know now that um, for me, late afternoon, there's a slide. It's like after lunch, I'm good for a couple of hours, and then around three or four, something happens, and I just want a snack. I just want to stop. And um, for me, the solution is my higher power and my step work and making calls. Um, it's been really working for me to lay down for 10 minutes. It's so much easier for me to lay down for 10 minutes than to go and like have a snack for an hour and a half or, you know, or like 10 minutes. Um, 
most days my food is still three meals a day and like one snack size snack. Um, my relationship with my higher power has changed. I trust it more. I trust that if I ask for help and let God, I, you know, the God of my understanding in to everything, I have a much better experience. I get, I can get through it because I just apply steps one, two, three to all of my life now. Like I've got this giant job right now, or it feels giant to me. I've got a big project coming up. I'm sure it's very, very small to a lot of people, but for me, it feels really big and it's outside of my wheelhouse, what I usually do. And I feel like it's unmanageable. So what I do is I say, God, I can't do this, but I think you can. I think you wouldn't place me here. In fact, my sponsor tells me all the time, if you wouldn't be here if this wasn't where you're supposed to be. If you were supposed to be somewhere else, you would be placed there. So you can just trust that this is what's happening, so this is what's supposed to happen. And, and then I say, God, I'm just going to trust that you're going to guide my thinking, get on my knees, please guide my thinking, please show me the next right action, and then I take whatever the next right action is. And if that three or four o'clock time comes around, I get back on my knees and I say, God, I don't know how to get through the next hour without that snack. Or I don't know how to get through the next hour and do all these little minute frustrating things I have to do or talk to that person I don't want to talk to. I can't do this. You can show me how to do this. And then I go take through the footwork. And then when it's done, I say, so what? Now what? And I do that like with food too. Um, that really got me through a lot of the first year, so what, now what? Because um, there were those empty bags and boxes that would used to lead me to the case of the efforts, uh, just for mixed age groups. I'm going to okay. use child-appropriate language. Um, but I would get a case of the, you know, like, forget it. I don't need, I don't need this anymore. I need, I need to go out. And, um, and my sponsor would say, just, so what? You ate that, now what? What's the next right action? Just pray for guidance on the next indicated action, good orderly direction. Um, these days what I'm finding is, and, and I guess it's always been true, but I think I've gone through, through periods of thinking I've got this, periods of thinking like, oh, all right, I feel good. I'm, I've been in program for a long time. I've got a family now. I've got sponsees now. I'm like, I'm working it. This is good. Everything's fine. But if I'm not also doing the footwork, if I'm not also making those calls, working my pro, just doing the, the things my sponsor tells me to do, I'm more likely to react before I think, react before I <sighs> breathe. Um, what's going on? I... Um, I had kind of a health scare a couple of weeks ago. Uh, something looked strange on a... I, I went to the doctor and they were like, oh, we're going to need some tests. And the tests aren't for a couple of weeks. And I have a lot of feelings about that. And because I'm a cancer survivor, so anything is probably... You know, like in my mind, I'm like, it's cancer. I had cancer when I was 14. It's been a long time. Uh, and... And I just have to give it to God because I am powerless over my health. I am powerless over other people. And I get today. This is all I ever get. 
is just today. And my todays are really good when I can be grateful. When I'm making a gratitude list that is all about today and all about real experiences that I'm having, not just like, oh, I mean, I can rise above anything. Be like, well, there's clean air. I can breathe the air. And I'm not in a war zone. And, you know, and that's great. And that's true. And it's a great thing to be grateful for. But if I can just be grateful that, yeah, I do get a breath today and, and not take it for granted. Like, yeah, that's, that's a gift. And my child is healthy. That's a gift. And, you know, my husband and I are working it out. (laughs) Like, it's a gift. We're still in it, you know. And we're in it with a lot of love. A lot of love. Um, And uh, and that's largely due to another program. (laughs) But um, gratitude makes such a difference in my life. And it's a thing that I've been focusing on a lot this year is uh, writing longer gratitude lists, more in-depth gratitude lists, um, and uh, and just trying to do it throughout the day rather than just at the end of the day, like, what was I, what was I grateful for today? I don't know. But to throughout the day, go, oh, man, I'm so grateful that, I don't know, I've got these beautiful neighbors who smile at me and wave when I come out the door. Like, what a gift. Um, and it's small, but, like, I have friends whose neighbors glare at them and, and scowl and call the police on them for no reason. And, you know, like, I'm, gl- I'm so grateful my- <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, let's see. I think I'm going to open it up for questions. Yes. What particular tools do you use to shift your thinking when you're focusing on your body? Thank you so much. Uh, the question is, what tools do I use to shift my thinking when I'm focusing on my body? Um, I focus on my body for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I use prayer. is usually the first one. Um, I usually get on my knees after, you know, focusing on my body for about three minutes to, like, three weeks, I'll finally wake up to like, oh, I'm thinking about my body. Oh, that's what's happening. Right. Okay. Um, And it shows up on my body. Like my thinking about my body shows up on my body pretty quickly. Um, And I use prayer. I call newcomers because I need to remember what it's like in the beginning. Uh, Where I come from is, thank you, um, crying in parking lots of grocery stores, knowing that I'm going to have to go in there and binge my way through the store and then carry three bags of groceries home and binge one day my way through the weekend and, you know, purging and binging cycle and calling in fat to everyone I know, just saying, like, oh, I'm sick or whatever, you know. Um, my life gets really small. So it helps for me to call newcomers. It helps for me to write about what's going on. I can think about it and think about it and think about it, but it's never the same as writing about it. Um, my sponsor has me do little mini fourth steps because I'm usually thinking about my body because I don't want to think about something painful happening in my life. Um, so I, um, I will write what kind of what happened or all of my fears, all the things I'm fearful or angry about, and then I'll write out what do I get by holding on to this and what do I get by giving it to God. And I have to write the whole thing out because something new always comes back to me that I like not just what I would have guessed. Um, I go to more meetings when I'm thinking about my body, um, or planning a diet. Like, I'll, I'll still plan a diet, 
Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, and, and it really helps for me to write down, I, I do this anyway through my 10th step, but sometimes I'm like a little slippery with my 10th, or I'll just skip a day with my 10th step, and then I start thinking about my body. So uh, it helps for me to write out everything I ate with approximate portions and the time I ate it. And then I also write what I intend to eat the next day. And that intention is very gentle. It is not, um, it's not weighed and measured. It's not specific all the time. Sometimes it's like, I'm just going to eat some protein and vegetables and a serving of grains for lunch. Because uh, I don't know where I'm going to be necessarily. My work is freelance and it changes a lot. Um, but just having that commitment of what I think my breakfast, lunch, and dinner reminds me when it's snack time. Oh, yeah, my snack could be that thing I wrote down. Oh, that's good. Rather than, what do I, I want a snack, I'm hungry, it's been four hours since I've eaten, since I ate my lunch, and then I make an impulse decision, it's usually not the decision I feel good about later. Um, those, those tend to be the most helpful, the quickest tools that I use. Yeah, thank you. What would you say your biggest challenge is right now, spiritually, and how do you deal with it? Okay, what's my biggest challenge spiritually, and how do I deal with it? Hmm. There are so many spiritual challenges. It's hard to know what the biggest one is. Um, I, um, I feel like I don't have a lot of control right now over the way my life looks. My house is being renovated, and uh, my, my work is... Uh, asking a lot more of me than it was last year this time and um, and for me that's a big spiritual challenge I want things to be predictable and even and comfortable and the same I want things to be exactly the way I want them to be at the time I want them to be that way and if they're not that way I don't think of myself as a controlling person. <laughs> but this is what I deep down I want, right? Like, I want it to be predictable. I want it to be safe all the time. And um, my spiritual challenge right now is staying vulnerable when I'm uncomfortable. And I've been in a lot of discomfort lately with the, you know, health question in the air. And the my house is full of dust and... I, you know, the walls, the cat comes and goes through the walls right now. You know, it's just like, um, so, so just being in that state of discomfort and still being able to share honestly and openly with a friend and to share honestly and openly with my husband and to, like, have someone disagree with me about what kind of choice we make with our home or choice we make at work or choice we make as parents and still be able to, like, let them have their way and express my feelings with love and allow a little bit of God in. Allow God to help me be vulnerable and allow God, the good orderly direction, if nothing else. Like, for me, that's my baseline God, good orderly direction. Um, but also, I have a spiritual connection that's kind of undefinable. And if I can let that in and let that show me how to have peace, even through my discomfort, that really helps. Um, meditation is another tool I use that helps me kind of connect with both of those. Mm, yes? Hi. Um, were you subject to dysmorphia? And if you were, what was the most effective recovery tool? Was I subjected to dysmorphia, and what was the most effective recovery tool? Um, I don't know, because I, you know, I think I know what's right. 
but I can see now when I look back at pictures of myself and I think, oh, I thought I was really fat then and I was totally fine. Um, so I think on some level I was and I wish I could say I had a great tool. My tool is just don't look in the mirror. Honestly, I don't spend very much time in front of the mirror. I spend the minimum amount of time, like I brush my teeth and I just don't look in the mirror that much, <laughs> you know, and I, I just don't spend time. I like, I get dressed and go, okay, is anything like open or crazy? <laughs> Nothing's crazy. I'm out, you know, and that works for me because if I stand in front of the mirror, I start pinching things and pulling things and tuck, you know, like and comparing and trying on all my smallest clothes and seeing how they work and, and that just it makes me crazy and it gets me into the compare and despair situation and I start spinning when I go out in the world and I'm at a party with other people and all I'm thinking about is like, is she, how does she get to be that small? <laughs> Darn it, what is she doing, you know? And I just, I want to be able to just know what's in her heart, you know? I don't need to know what's in her stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, any other, do I have time? Yeah, I have time. Anybody else? Yeah. Um. The way you spoke to yourself before program, has that changed the way you speak to yourself now? <sighs> um, has the way I speak to myself changed when I came, like, from before I was in program and now? Um, yes and no. Uh, I, it, the way I speak to myself, the first, like, that first thought that comes into my head, it, it hasn't changed that much. That thinking is still in there. It's the second thought that's changed. Um, it's it's the second thought and it's the action because I hear those the same. You're worthless. You're never gonna. I mean, I don't need to. I think I think everybody's got their own demon. Like, and it's so hateful. It's so painful. It's so hateful. It's so critical, and it sends me to a really really dark place. But it doesn't send me there that quickly. And if I find myself dwelling in that kind of thinking, then I know it's time to pick up some tools and go go to more meetings, make more calls, read some literature. Uh, I didn't mention that earlier too, but like literature is just so great because at it, two in the morning, if I'm having negative thoughts, I don't necessarily want to call someone and I definitely can't get to a meeting, but I can pick up some literature and there's always something I need to hear in one of the books. Um, but yeah, that second thought, the second thought is a little bit more like, okay, there's that same old broken thinking that just doesn't serve me well. Because at the end of the day, what program has opened up for me is the ability to show up for my fellows and to show up for my life and to give rather than like make sure I feel good enough. I don't wait to feel good, but in, in helping other people, I'm able to feel much better. And so when I start having those thoughts, I'm like, oh, I, I probably need to help somebody. I probably need to, maybe I need to cry, maybe I need to do some writing, um, but I try to be gentle with myself, because I'm both of those things. I'm that critical, like, that critical, terrible demon that is my disease. It's in me. It's there. Um, but there's also that small child that I, I heard someone say in these rooms early on that I should think of feeding myself the way I would feed a seven-year-old child. And... Um, and so when I hear those thoughts, I can think, like, I would never say that to a little child. Yeah. Don't talk to my kid that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I want a snack, what would I feed my child? My child's having a tantrum, temper tantrum, freaking out. She's just too hungry. I'm not going to necessarily give her 
you know, I'm not going to say specific foods, but there are a lot of foods that I would go to before that were, you know, full of sugar and flour and all of the, the red light foods that I just probably wouldn't give her in that moment. I'd start with something a little healthier. And, um, and then, and then I pray and that I, I let like another voice come in. I just ask for another voice to help. Is that it? Okay, thank you.